You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund at Husky Stadium. We're way up above the field in the visiting coaches box at about the 40-yard line. And uh, Washington, bad, bad, bad loss to University of Montana, 13-7. to We've got an announced attendance of 64053. That's pro- that's tickets distributed. I would say there was probably close to 50,000 at one time, maybe max, but uh, crowd dissipated early. 77 degrees at kickoff. Length of game was three hours, and um, they just after the first drive, it just looked like Washington was just going to steamroll. But they just couldn't get anything going whatsoever on the offensive side of the ball after that. Yeah, no, it was baffling. I mean, they actually did. I mean, they that first drive looked great. I mean, you know, I mean, they went, what, they go nine plays, 78 yards, takes almost five minutes, good mix of run and pass. Um, Richard Newton running hard. Dylan Morris pretty surgical on the throws. And then literally after that one drive, I mean, it's pretty impressive because they had 78 yards on that drive, Kim. They ended up with a total of 291 offensive yards. So they barely got over 200 yards for the entire rest of the game. Dylan Morris started off hot at 6 of 6, but uh, boy, after that, it just seems like, and I know that you know, fans just go to the easiest thing first. They want to fire the coach, fire the offensive coordinator, fire the athletic director. Everybody needs to be fired, you know, and everybody's going to complain about the play calling, but I don't think it was a matter of the play calling. I'm just absolutely shocked with um, Montana's small offense, small defensive line. They manhandled Washington's offensive line. I, I just don't understand that at all. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they flat-out executed. Flat, I mean, they did. They flat-out. But I was asking you guys before the, before the show, what, is there a term that's beyond vanilla? I mean, I, I don't know what John Donovan tried to work on during this entire offseason that was different than what we saw in the four games in 2020 because I didn't see anything different. I literally saw nothing different. When they, when they, needed to, when they were up against it, they ran slants, or they tried to find Kate Otten in the middle. There really wasn't anything different about what was last year. Yeah, but I mean, if they would have executed some of that, given Dylan Morris a little bit more time to throw, open up some more holes for the running game, we're talking about a different ball game. But then the big story of the game was the shortage, miss- of, shortage of wide receivers. Well, missing the top four wide receivers if you go by the depth chart. I mean, Romo Dunsey, Jalen Millen, Jalen Polk, who he only played, what, first series? And then he first went couple out. series, yeah. yeah, or first couple series, and he was out. And Terrell Bynum, all four of those guys were basically missing for all but uh, one drive, and I, that is not an excuse. No, the, the guys who come in after him have to get it done. But I'm sure that didn't help matters at all, and is a big reason why their their offense struggled so much. I mean, I, I, the way I'm looking at this, and I'm down on a lower f- field, so I'm seeing it from a different perspective, but. This game was lost by the offensive line, and that, they're supposed to be one of the best in the country, and they're supposed to be this dominant physical offensive line. They didn't show it today. They, were, yeah. they must have been reading their press clippings. Yeah, I didn't see. I mean, 
there wasn't one offensive lineman that played tonight that did well. I, I don't think any of them played well. I'd pro- When I give my grades tonight, it's probably going to be – I don't like to give an F, but I, it's about as low as it's going to get. So, you know, whatever. This, is, this is a historic loss, guys. Yeah, this is where This is where maybe this a time for historic yeah. grades might be in order. Yeah, I mean, I don't – defensively, I'm not going to give Fs. But offensively, I don't even even with Richard Newton running pretty well and things like that, there wasn't a lot of room for him. And anytime he did find some open space, he was going his legs were going too fast and he would slip. So it just yeah. the, this was a comedy of errors for this offense and I I am I'm, I'm at a loss because this is not what that the offense looked like. This the during the fall, spring or the fall. Well, you saw camp. with the shortage of wide receivers, like Jimmy Lake said, you saw more three uh, tight end sets than you know he's ever probably seen out there because of the shortage of the wide receivers. But uh, you know, with the three tight ends, you'd figure they'd be able to run the ball with that big offensive line and the small stature of Montana's defensive line. But it just didn't. I, I, I'm at a loss. I mean. It's kind of like they say crazy's crazy. How do you explain crazy? How do you explain that? Well, I don't they know sold. That you can. Well, they sold out. I mean, they sold out, and they knew that Washington couldn't probably beat them one to one in terms of their pass game, and they and they knew when Morris was going to throw, he was going to rely on Kate Otten, which he did, and so it became fairly predictable. And Donovan clearly had no counter to their counter. It's just that. They clearly won not only the football game, but they won the chess game inside of the football game. Now, toward the end of the game, so basically the fourth quarter, do you think Washington was getting nervous and Montana had all that momentum and confidence and that's why we didn't see anything? Well, from- I, saw, I saw at the end of the third quarter Montana on the sidelines jumping around in a group all together, whereas Washington was completely disjointed on the sidelines, just walking around up and down the sideline. Like zombies. Yeah, yeah, like zombies. No energy, no emotion, no passion. Um, it was very interesting to see the dynamic between the two teams. Clearly, Montana was up for it. They were ready to go. Washington didn't have a clue. It's like they didn't... All the situations, it's kind of ironic, all the special situations that Jimmy Lake prepared for when it came to all the different little you know down and distance things that we saw during fall camp none of that came yeah. into play here nope. they didn't know how to react at all once that third quarter came yeah. and they uh, you know and the other thing too is real simply put doesn't matter who you play when you lose the turnover battle by three you're gonna lose a football game well, you know, we've seen this, Chris, you know, in fall camp, you know, just the dump-offs and the two-minute drills and going against the dime packages, the quarterbacks just always seem to dump it down. And there was a lot of dumping down by Dylan Morris tonight, and I think, you know, the pass by Kate Otten in the fourth quarter was, I can't even remember a pass longer than 10 yards prior to that, if there was. Well, there's, it's there just were, a, it's there a, were, but, but it's a situation where a he gets he gets, he basically gets trained out of him the idea that you just have to take the easy money and that's all great and everything when you're ahead or when you're controlling the ball and you've got you know a 10 or 15 minute uh, time of possession difference. But when you're going head to head against a team and you need to make something happen and it's third and 12 and you're looking downfield at dump five yard dump offs, that tells me that they weren't prepared for the alternative. Well, it just seemed to me that the mood on the sidelines was just, they just needed a spark of some time, whether it was going to be a punt return by Trent McDuffie, a big hit with a fumble, a scoop and score, or some type of a turnover. They just needed something to yeah. ignite them, and it just didn't happen. Where well, I thought, where I knew, 
where I thought that this game might be in trouble is when the uh, punter for Montana shanked it off the side of his foot, and then it rolled another twenty-five yeah, yards. Yeah, that was bad. But again, you know, yeah. give credit to Montana. Yeah. I mean, we're you know, we're harping on Washington, rightly so, and we'll continue to harp on Washington probably all year long because you don't you don't recover from a loss like this. I'm sorry, that's just the bottom line. But the the thing is, is that Montana played a really really good football game. In and when you talk about the mechanics, they didn't lose a fumble. They didn't get picked off. They played the field possession game, and you're right, Kim. Even when no they did sacks have a, either. no sacks, or maybe one sack. No, there wasn't. It didn't show any. I okay. Didn't see any. Well, either way, it, either one. They still they they sacked Dylan Morris more times than Washington sacked mm-hmm. Cam Humphrey. I mean, that's just yeah. a fact. But even when you're right, even when the breaks look like they might start to go Washington's way with that shank, but they get another thirty yards of run. So it's just little things like that. But those are all those all build up over time. You're building up positive momentum, and you're building up your luck because you're playing better than the other teams. And frankly, Montana was playing better. It, you know, a lot of people will say make adjustments and do things differently. But you know, I just kept on thinking if they stuck to the game plan, that that offensive line at some point would have to step up, and they would break a run, or the passing game would open up, and they would complete a pass. But I mean, I just think. I thought the defense actually played pretty well, but I'm just stunned. I'm actually shocked that uh, how bad well, the offense was. I said it. I said it to Chris, and I said the the margin for error on this is so low right now because Washington had to. They they literally had to. They, their defense had to be perfect. They couldn't have a mistake, and they did for they a had, while. For a long time, yeah, they were. They they had a 37 yard run on that first drive that set them up for that first field goal. And then it was it was the after Morris' second pick, the one he threw behind Kate Otten, and the defense I couldn't stop him. It was 10, 10 uh, you know, they got the ball. At, you know, realistically, this game, I think, was lost when Washington had the ball twice, once at the Montana 32 and once at the Montana 42. Yeah. And they Got came nothing. away with no nothing. points because yeah. they had the missed field goal by uh, Peyton Henry, and then they had no. They lost on downs. Yeah, they when you're when you're down. inside their yeah. territory twice, FCS opponent, and it's in your house. At the very least, the you crowd. need to get six points. Yeah. To, you need to get field goals. goals. You need yeah. to get something. You need to get something. You out get of both them. of those field goals. You have a tie game right yeah. now. They and lost, we're in overtime. They lost Henry Bainavalu in the second half, and yeah. uh, they had Nate Kalepo in there, and. Um, I couldn't see how well he was doing, but it just looked like pretty much everybody on the offensive line was getting manhandled. Nobody was doing well. Uh, Jackson Kirkland, who's the All-American or you know a budding All-American, all All Pac-12 guy, he looked he looked very average, if not below average. I thought Luke Wattenberg got pushed around a little bit. Obviously, we can we don't get to see everything about what's going on and yeah. who's missing calls and things like that, but. I did not. Uh, Vic Kern got abused several times on inside rushes. Kate Otten, who is a very good blocker, got got abused a couple times too. It was it was just overall. I it was almost like they came in thinking they were just going to cakewalk yeah. on this, and and that's that falls on the head coach and and the coaching staff because if they were believing their press clippings and they weren't ready for this team, Washington should be better than this team on paper there's no reason why montana should beat washington but obviously this is why we play the game the old cliche that's why they play the game but 
I mean, th- this is I-, I think this is strictly on coaching right now. I mean, the players didn't execute well, but some of that can even be blamed on the coaches too. Well, you can, you know, it's just I'm not real big on the blame game. I mean, like I said, huh. you know, if they well, you're not going to be a fan of what's going to happen tonight, Kim, because everybody's going to be or blaming for the somebody. Next week. Oh, yes, well, that's just the way some people are wired. You know, well, that's just, the way most people are wired. I I flush this thing. You know, my favorite word is next. You know, and as bad as this loss is, you know. I'm flushing it. It's behind me because I'm more intrigued to see what happens next. Right, you know? but again, this is not yeah. this is not losing to USC. This is not losing to Michigan. This is not losing to but, but is a, that, Arizona this State. This is losing to Arizona or right. Oregon. Yeah, this is I'm, this is way different. I understand that. But okay. The, the, well, but the question out there, the big thing is. How are they going to react to this? Is this the team we're going to see at Michigan next week? Are we going to see a different offensive line? Are we going to see a different uh, playbook? What are we going to see next week? Because anybody, I mean, it's like water is wet. If they play like they play today, they're going to get their ass kicked. Right. And I, I mean, that's a no-brainer. But uh, like I said, I'm already looking forward and intrigued by you know what's yeah. going to happen and how they react to well, this. Well, obviously, we have to be intrigued by that because... It's that's we the only more thing. Weeks of this, well, so. and that's the only thing you can hope yeah. you hang your hat on. Well, the, I mean, like I said, I, to me, the big question is what we saw today. Is that what they did, or is that who they are? I'm not quite sure, and I'm not ready to say that's who they are yet. We're well, going to find out. Right. Well, that, but and that's the reason why you can't. You know, I mean, people are talking about firing him tonight. You well, can't fire Jimmy Lake in week one. You can't yeah. do it. First of all, who take over? That's you want John Donovan to be your head coach? You want Bob Gregory just, to be your head coach? I mean, anytime things go wrong. Well, no, people, but I, I get that. But I'm just saying. Remember, it, 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 I'm just saying, from all practical terms, you can't fire the guy in week one for all sorts of reasons. Remember, but that's the biggest one. Remember Mike Holmgren's first couple of year here with the Seahawks? They were talking about firing him. I get there it. Was, there was people calling for Chris Peterson. I get, but I'm saying yeah. for the people that are so fired up. And they can't find a reason to stick with a guy like Jimmy Lake. Well, you have to. You don't have a choice. You can leave. The, you can leave. You don't have to follow him. Yeah. You don't have to watch him anymore if you don't want to. I'm just saying, from every practical consideration, you might as well just not even think about firing Jimmy it's Lake right now. You can't do it. That conversation to me is so ridiculous because it's it's. But yeah. but but the problem is, Kim. Here's the problem. It's a lose lose situation, no matter how you look at it, yeah. really, because. If they end up going, over, let's say, let's say the worst happens, and they also lose to Michigan, and they lose to Arkansas State. Now you're going into Pac-12 play. You've lost your three non-conference games. You basically have a dead man walking as your head coach. Well, it's just a matter of when you're going to fire him at that point. So it's very difficult to see how Jimmy Lake gets out of this without. You know, pulling a Houdini act well, at this that's point. Why, that's why next week versus Michigan, they're not playing Arkansas State next week. They're playing Michigan. They're playing big boy football on the road with 110,000 people in the stands. So, um, yeah, and we're talking gonna, about it with a team who just lost 13 to seven to an SCS team at home. At home, yeah. And that'll that's why that's at, why people are pissed. So if they if they're to defeat Michigan, how does that change things? It does. I don't think it changes much in terms of the fans. In terms of momentum, in terms of the way that the team can positively react moving forward and make something out of this season, absolutely they can still sell. You can still, hell, they can still win the Pac-12 right now because it doesn't affect the the conference stuff, but they certainly can't talk about a playoff now. That's way out of the window. No, that's gone. You're not even talking about that. That's gone. That's, I mean, 
that that went yeah. out that went out at halftime when yeah. they were still but, ahead. But you know where the playoffs out. I'm not ready to say, say that the season is over. There's a lot of football to be oh, played. No, I'm not saying the season's over either. Yeah. I'm talking about the practical considerations of what Again. can happen with a guy like Jimmy Lake, who not only has to find a way to get his team fired up to go play at Michigan, which really shouldn't have to fire up a team to go play Michigan. No. But at the same time, he's got to figure out how to find that, that, that way to win that game, but also how to repair the damage that this game has caused with the community because there's just no, no two ways about it. Yeah, just a couple of stats that really jump out. Total number of first downs for the entire game. Washington had seven. Yeah. Seven uh, first downs the entire game. 27 oh, carries for... No, no, no. No, no, no. That's not true. No. Washington had 21 first downs. Am I reading that wrong? Yeah. First, first downs. 21. 21, yep. 21. Oh, You're reading, reading that wrong. I was reading the first quarter. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 21 to 10 is first down. Well, no, but they're still, they're still glaring. I mean, you want to look oh, yeah. at all the stats. They're still glaring. Yeah, third down conversions is what really killed Washington as well, 4 of 14. And, but like I said, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought they played pretty well. They, were, they held Montana at uh, 2 of 13 on third downs. Um, Dylan Morris was 27 of 46 with three interceptions. The last interception was kind of a desperate throw. Um, you know, where he had to throw the ball coming up. And uh, he had 226 yards, uh, 8.3 yards per carry, leading tackler. Uh, Jackson Sermon with nine. Um, Kyler Gordon with seven. Two first-year freshmen played, both on the defensive line. Uh, Tanufi and Piofa were the uh, only uh, two. Kwapeopa, well, and there was a, a welcome to college football moment with Kwapeopa. First play. First play, I think. He got double-teamed by a couple offensive linemen, got did a did a thing where he ended up downfield about ten yards and got pancaked. But but the thing is, that was like easily three or four seconds oh, after yeah. the play. Yeah, it could have very easily been a personal foul. It should have been a personal foul. Wouldn't it mattered anyway? They it would have been a two yard penalty. Yeah, I mean, this is just going to be an ugly week. It's going to be a real interesting press conference with Jimmy Lake on um, Monday. Um, in post game, he was just pretty much by the book. I think you know he had deer in the headlights look a little bit, just kind of stunned. Crazy to me. To- Why wouldn't you be fired up? Why wouldn't you be pissed off? I, don't, I mean, I, I just I get the understanding that you have to kind of show a front well, for I, your team a little bit, and in, in, in terms of the press, well, and I'm sure in the, I'm sure in the locker room they were plenty pissed off. But did, show a little steam. Do we? Show a little something. I mean, I don't know. Remember Lambright after the Arizona loss? I get, I get yeah. it, but the, yeah. you know that's why Lambright's a Hall of Famer. Lambright's beloved in this you know state. That's why I say this press conference because he kept on saying we're going to have to go back and look at the film because I think he was just stunned by the offensive performance. And it's yeah, to me that's just too much canned Coach Pete talk. It's just I, I, I think, well, well, I, but honestly, I think Coach the Pete, real world. <laughs> but I think Coach Pete would have been a little bit more pissed off. I just get a sense. Yeah. Well, we'll see if he comes out pissed off. I mean, um, I don't even know where else to go from here. Like I said, you know, I, I want to credit the defense, of course. You know, I thought they played real well. Um, you know, uh, they played okay. They played okay, but they but the they offense didn't, didn't the offense didn't, didn't give them anything to work with at all. You give up thir- You only give up thirteen points. You should win a game. And, and that's the problem, you know. It's like I know everyone wants to heap it on Dylan Morris and make it his fault. I guarantee you that Dylan Morris got punished. The two the two bad throws that he made behind, the, they both got picked. Yeah. And when and when he was putting the ball on the money, which he did a lot tonight, drops. Yeah. Giles Jackson fourth down, clear drop. I mean, no doubt about it. He could have extended that drive easy. Yeah. Drop. Scott, and all sorts of guys dropping balls tonight. Recruits on the sidelines, Scott. There were there were probably I would say roughly twenty to twenty five somewhere in there. 
Um, some of the big names, Jason Brown. Well, there was a lot more recruits there, but maybe 20 to 25 that were worth mentioning. No, I don't even think there was 20 to 25 that were guys they would be after. But There was a lot see, of guys. There was a lot of guys. Who but had passes. Yeah, there's some that are good passes, that are real passes, and some that are, oh, you came with your friend. Okay, here's a pass. I'm, I'm guessing I saw maybe 30 okay. hard okay. name tags. Which, All right, well, whatever it yeah. was, um, Jason Brown was there, the run, 2024 running back from O'Day, and after real, he rushed for 300 and some yards last night. And just real quick, he was out there in the end zone, and Jimmy Lake and uh, Keith Bonifa immediately ran over to him, hugged him, yep. and made sure that he got some love. Yeah, and then um, Ryan Otten was there, saw him. Uh, uh, Jaden Lemar, the, Ryan Otten's the Cade's younger brother, already committed to Washington. Jaden Lemar. The uh, running back from the 2023 running back from Lake Stevens was there. His brother was there with him. He's a he's a good looking 2025 kid. So um, Chance Bogan was there. Yeah, Chance Bogan was there. Also, just a real quick note: um, um, the the corner. Um, why am I spacing on his name? Josiah, Josiah Wagner mm-hmm. uh, in a boot. Yeah, it looked like it. And um, just an FYI, you're not probably not aware of this, but um, he was over watching the game, and Justin Glenn sat next to him the yeah. entire game. Justin Glenn, the recruiting coordinator, sat next to him the entire game. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I mean, there were there was a decent number of guys here. Um, the reason uh, uh, people probably running about Josh Connerly and why he wasn't here, well, Rainier Beach played at, I think, 3 o'clock today, so they didn't. he, he wasn't going to make the game. Jaden Wayne said he was going to be here. We didn't see him. I didn't see him, but that doesn't mean he'd be. He but he did tweet. He did tweet that he was here. Oh, okay. So. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> so. Anything else in recruiting? Uh, no. And Rayshon Clark was also supposed to be here, the cornerback yeah. from Federal Way. Well, he tweeted that he was supposed to be here. I don't know. If I don't know if he made it or not. Um, and just so people know, he that oh, geez, the highlights are on right now. The uh, <laughs> Washington highlights are on right now. But the uh, or lowlights. The um, just so you know. Um, Rayshon Clark has been determined to be ineligible this year. And he's a 2023 corner who was yes. at Life Christian before? 24. <laughs> 2024. He's corner. expected to be a four-star kid? Oh, yeah. I think he, are, he might already be. Yeah. Okay. And he's not playing this year? Nope. He is not playing this year because of transfer rules. And the thing that's frustrating about that is Federal Way is the school he should be going to. He, that's his home school? Yeah, that's his home school. So there's no reason that he shouldn't be playing. So there's obviously something going, at least on the face of it, there's no reason. So there's got to be something going on. But uh. Okay. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think I've pretty much said it all. I don't don't know where they're going to go from here. Um, Ann Arbor. Yeah, well, that's where they're headed. I don't know where they're going, though, and that's the difference. Um, I just think, you know, I wrote a story, and I think that he had built up some goodwill in 2020, he had you know he had brought a lot of the players back in, brought the helmet car back, <coughs> and uh, he lost it all today, in a big way. And it's I don't see a way back out. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean they they're going to play the games, they're going to do their best. I'm sure they're going to try really really hard to do it. But I'm sorry when you make history the way they made history tonight, losing to an FCS team for the first time. That's the kind of history uh, not many guys recover from. I wish him well. I hope he does. All right, Scott Eklund. Um, no difference makers. That's what I saw. I, I just didn't see anybody who was a difference maker on really either side of the ball. Um, 
there are some good plays on defense. There are some really good players on defense. I didn't see anybody who's a difference maker, especially in the, the front seven. Offensively, no difference makers as well, and, and that's troubling, troubling, especially when we're talking about the first game of the season. So um, I disagree with Fetters. There is a way to recover from this. Um, but well, it certainly starts by beating Michigan. Yeah, and you got to do that. At the very least, you have to go there – and play much, much better. And maybe if Michigan is just that much better than you, they get the win. But Washington needs to get that win next week. It's not going to be a pleasant night for Jimmy Lake tonight. No, it's not really a pleasant not. night. Not going to be a pleasant week for us on the boards. No. And, uh, you know, just, and you've heard me say it a million times it's not what happens, it's how you react to it. And that's what I'm intrigued to see how they react to it. Because, uh, uh, you know, if they don't play well against Michigan and we see the same team that we saw here out tonight, the Vultures will be circling. You know, that's just the way football works this day. So, well, they already are. Yeah. They're, so, they're, they're, putting, right. they're putting your prediction on the cross. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all right. Let them, <laughs> that's know. the way it goes, right? Yeah. The people that speak the loudest usually have the less, least amount of skin in the game, so I'm not too worried about it. I've been wrong before. I'm right quite a bit, though. So, anyways, it's over. You know, uh, heading back to Michigan on Friday, it's going to be a night game at uh, Ann Arbor. By the way, my flight, I have to go through Nashville, Tennessee to get to uh, Detroit and then to Ann Arbor. So it'll be a fun road trip. So uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Gretels along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.